Somebody sing it. Hallelujah. Falling in love with Jesus. That was the best thing I've ever, Hallelujah. ever done. Sing it again. Oh, I mean, oh, it's the truth. Praise God. Falling in love with Jesus. Oh, sweet Thank Jesus. You, Falling in love. God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise be to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, your first marriage was a shotgun wedding. He was married to that old nature by natural birth. You didn't have no choice. But your real marriage, that's a different situation. Every one of us, not only us, but all the billions of people that have lived, are living, or will live, will have the opportunity, the privilege, and responsibility of standing before two kings, King of Bera, King Bera of Sodom, or King Melchizedek of Salem. I know whose side I'm taking. Amen. Praise the Lord. Psalm 110, verse 1. I'm enjoying this honeymoon, aren't you? If it's been this good just preaching and talking about it, I can't imagine what it's going to be when we get there. Right there. <clears throat> Psalm 110, as I told you last week, is the most quoted Old Testament scriptures in the entire New Testament. So it must be a very, very important um, messianic psalm speaking of the position of the Messiah, not only his first advent as son of God, but also in the millennium reign and also his position in the Godhead. A psalm of David, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power, in the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning. Thou hast the dew of thy youth. Now from verse 4 is what we want to look at tonight. The Lord hath sworn... And will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Let's read it again. The Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, hath sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest. Now the Lord is speaking. To Jesus, the Father, the invisible one, the light, is speaking to the visible one. Amen. Speaking to his logos, 
his theophanic appearance. Hallelujah. Boy, this is going to be good, I'm telling you. The Lord has sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest after the order of Melchizedek. Let's bow our heads together and ask God's blessings on the word. You'd like to be remembered tonight before the Lord? I certainly need it as well. Lord Jesus, how grateful we are, Father. Just thinking of the song that we were singing, Oh, Fallen in Love with You. It's the best thing we've ever done. Lord, we loved so many different things of the world, and all them things had such terrible consequences. No doubt there's people standing here tonight that at one time in their life, they used to love to drink. They used to love to carouse and run around and smoke and do all kinds of things. But Lord, looking at those things that we used to love to do, the consequences of what they bring, the scars, the harm to ourselves, to our family. And yet we loved them. Oh, we loved them and we felt like that we needed them so desperately in our lives. But yet, Lord Jesus, when that love was severed and that old husband was dead and we finally were released, praise God, to fall in love with you. Lord Jesus, there's nothing about your way, your character, your nature, your makeup, you're not caustic, you're not poison, you're not in any way, in any shape or form, deadly or terrible, but you are goodly and holy and righteous and pure. Oh, thank you, Father. It was the best thing we ever did in our lives, was when we simply just responded to the beckoning call of the attribute from eternity that was calling us unto the peace of Melchizedek. Father, would you speak to us tonight from your word? We love you with all of our hearts. We commit ourselves in the word to your charge and care tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. It would seem like a strange place to insert verse 4, that David would want to signify the Lord Jesus was going to be a priest after the order of Melchizedek when we're talking about the millennium. He's saying, why would you want to make reference to the order of Melchizedek when this messianic psalm is looking at the millennial reign? But yet, we know that Melchizedek, because he is who he is, he covers beyond the span of time from Genesis 14 down to Psalms 110, to Hebrews 5, to Hebrews 6, to Hebrews 7, to February the 20th, 1965. So he goes plumb on down into the millennium, and he covers right on down till the loop is brought right back up into the eternal again. So it's a pretty, pretty important subject when we think about who is this Melchizedek. 
So it was very important apparently that God would anoint David whenever David said, the Lord said unto my Lord, now David catching the revelation that the Lord said through me to my son, the Messiah, my Lord, that set thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Then David goes on to declare that God had said that Jesus was going to be, now remember, this is pre-Jesus. His name had not been yet mentioned. And I know it might be a little bit confusing to you, but remember that Jesus, the man, had a day that he started. Jesus, the man, could die. But Christ could not. Praise the Lord. Jesus the man could die. But the Father God could not die. So Jesus the man was the sacrificial atonement that the Spirit would make for our sins in order to make reconciliation for us. Now, whenever we think about Melchizedek, of course, the first appearance that we have of him, let's read, if you would, in Genesis chapter 14, verse 17. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Kedorlaomer and of the kings that were with him at the valley of Shava, which is the king's dale. Now, the setting of Genesis 14 is that by this time in Genesis, Lot has separated away from Abraham. God's word called for a total separation, and Lot has finally went his way. And even though he is not Abraham's type, he's not in the currency of God of the same value of Abraham, never would, never could be, no matter what he ever done. But yet, he was part of Abraham's claim. Now listen carefully to me tonight. I'm sure that eventually these kings come to the spot they dreaded ever capturing part of Abraham's claim. More than likely, they was not out for Lot as an individual. They probably didn't even know Abraham But they found out there's big trouble involved when you go dealing with the claim of the elect. Now remember that Lot was not even elect himself. But he was of the claim order of the elect Abraham. I'll tell you one thing. I hope that you and I realize that our claim upon our children, our family members, so on and so on, whatever God's got to do for those that get in the way of your claim, He will do it. It's bad trouble when you're giving aid to a backslid Jonah. It's bad trouble when you're giving aid to a backslid son or daughter of an elect. Now remember, they may not even be elect themselves, but because your claim has such a stake on the very heart of God, God will do whatever necessary in order to render His will concerning the claim. And the Holy Ghost will enforce that claim. 
Now we know it was that at the time that uh, the, in this particular time of history that many of the kings of this era were not great big kings as far as having a large dominion. Now Tidal, which was one of the kings which sided with uh, Kedolaomer, he was actually called Tidal King of Nations. So this signifies that he had more than one domain of a certain people. But yet Kedolaomer was a king of one city. And we know that the king of Sodom and the king of Gomorrah, which were twin cities. So in this time frame, a king could just be the king of one city. So there was actually four kings against five. But these four kings come and they had great power and they begin to come through the land and sweep through the valley of Shava. They actually came over the veil of Shadim, S-H-I-D-D-I-M. And in the veil of Shadim was slime pits. Now when they got there, actually it was to their advantage because the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah and the other three kings that were with them, whenever they came against them, Kedolaomer and title and the other kings actually backed them up into the slime pits. Now this is where that they dug slime out of the earth which is a, which a, a thick consistency of tar uh, pitch as we know it that would have been mixed with the clay. They used it for mortar like in laying brick. Now they would dig it out like you would a peat bog so they would leave holes in the earth and they would dig them and then dig another and dig another. So somehow they backed them up to the slime pits and whenever they did there the kings begin to fall. So they, they actually confiscated their goods. They took away their people. But one lived and was able to make it back over into the land of where Abram was. Now Abram was in the plains of Mamre. He was near the oak where God had appeared to him. It was there that a couple of brothers had made confederate, the Bible says, with Abram. And they were in a confederacy with Abram. They were his friends and they stood with him. So when this messenger comes back and tells Abram what has happened, then the Bible says that he armed his servants. There was 318 men. And then with the, the brothers that was there together of memory, they joined this confederacy together and they started after law. Now they weren't really going out to pick a fight. They was not the warring type as far as wanting to just cause an argument. But yet if you're going to take their property, you're going to suffer the consequences. Now look, I'm a peace-loving guy. I, I really like peace. But if you want to come in this church and start trouble, you will see my sword. And I'll tell you right now, it is sharp. And I do know how to cut out hearts, tongues, livers, ears, gallbladders, whatever. And I really specialize in tongues. Praise the Lord. Every God-called man has a sword. Now, I'd rather use it against devils, but if I've got to use it against people, I will. So be it. I've done it before. Now, here it was. Abraham was minding his own business as it was. He was staying there just being what God had made him to be. And he does not go out now to try to get Lot to make Lot bride. But what he does, he is part of Abraham's claim. 
And this is why I say to you, friends, that we, as the people of God, we will never be able to make our children a bride. We'll never be able to make our aunts, our uncles, our nephews, this, that, or the other. We can't make everybody bride. But it does not mean that we just give them up to the devil and say, well, if they ain't bride, they ain't nothing. Abraham never had that view. Abraham said, I know already, and you know, I can tell by Lot the way that he's doing. He, he's, he's not like me. He's different from me. He should have never left me. But yet Abraham said, he's still my claim, and I'm holding on to it. You got a mom and dad in a denominational deal? Keep praying for them. That God will bring them out. They may not fit here among us. What we feed among may make them sick as a horse. But they might be able to come out being independent. Praise the Lord. You've got a child lost. You've got a wife that's away from God. A son, a daughter, a husband, whatever it is. Don't let them go. Well, Brother Don, I don't know the bride. Well, first of all, you don't know whether they are or whether they are not. But even if they're not, it might be your claim and your prayer that will deliver them out from under the dominion of Kedoleomer. It might be you that God will use your prayer and for your sake. Hope this don't blow you away. But there's many things that I ask God for, not personally, but I ask for my sake. For my sake. Now, again, this will blow you out of the water. But there's many times when I'm praying for you and your situations and the things that you're going through. And I realize that you may be dealing with some of your children or your loved ones that are not even bright. But I pray that God, for your sakes, will do thus and so. And you say, that's crazy, is it? Then the Bible tells me, for David's sake, for the elect's sake, for this one's sake. There's things that God will do for the elect's sake that he would not do for Lot's sake. God never saved Lot because of Lot. God saved Lot because of Abraham. And there's going to be a lot of lots saved because, not because they was good lots, but because they had some good praying Uncle Abrahams. Praise the Lord. Now, whenever they go, of course, Abraham was a man of faith. He believed the promise of God. At this age, at this stage in Abraham's life, rather, he was 83 years old. 83 years old. Now truly, people live longer in that time frame. But he's still a man of great age, even by the measurement of their time frame. Now this man goes and he makes a coverage of 120 miles on foot. 120 miles. We want to hardly go out of our way to speak somebody who's wayward. Oh my. Now, whenever they do, of course, are anointed of the Spirit of God, and, and you imagine now that you've got all of these kings, Kedorlaomer, Tidal Nations, and Arioch, and all these others, and they have joined together. They've got hundreds or thousands of men. They went through and made a gigantic sweep from one end of the valley to the other. And they've knocked out one city after another city after another city. And here comes a man with 318 men of his own, plus then the Confederate men that were with him. And it must have been an absolute supernatural miracle to see what God did. Now, when God delivered Abram, now let's pick up from this, and from, from this verse now. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Kedolaomer. 
and of the kings that were with him at the valley of Shava, which is the king's dale. Now notice the king of Sodom had also went out, but he was defeated. So he resorted back to Sodom, but he heard that Abram had won the victory. So when he hears that, then he goes out. Now watch this. It's very tricky. He goes out to meet Abram. Oh my. But notice now. So here we have Bera, king of Sodom. And he goes out to meet Abram. Verse 18. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine. And he was the priest of the most high God. So we've got two kings that have come to meet Abram. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And he blessed the Most High God, but said, Delivered thine enemies into thy hand, and he gave him tithes of all. Now following this tremendous victory, what do we find? A great test for this man of faith. Now that he's come and God has blessed him and he's won a tremendous victory, then what do we find? We find Bera, king of Sodom, who comes out and he wants to give Abraham all the wealth and all the goods of Sodom. Now this might seem like a blessing from God. And no doubt people would have taken it. Oh boy, the Lord's blessed me. I'll tell you one thing, friends. The wealth of Sodom is never a blessing from God. You see, Satan tempted Abram after this great victory to take the victory and testimony away from the power of God to his own life as if he was the one who accomplished this battle. Now look, you know, it was the same thing with the Lord Jesus after receiving the fullness of the Holy Ghost at the river that the Lord Jesus was tempted of the devil. It was the same thing with Elijah the prophet when he called fire down out of heaven. Over and over again we could go that after we walk in tremendous places with God, it was the same with this man years later, Abraham, after he goes up on the mountain and God confirms the covenant with him and God creates a ram, the very next chapter, verse one, his wife Sarah dies. So we know that that seems to be the pattern that God would allow the devil to go. So the king of Sodom wanted to bargain with Abram and give him the goods of Sodom. Now remember the kings had taken the goods of all of these people. So they had all kinds of Sodomite stuff. Whatever it was the Sodomites had, well they took it. Now here he wants to be able to make a deal and give Abram the wealth of Sodom. Now he said, you take the goods and I will keep the people. But you know what? Abram was a spiritual man and he done remembered what the wealth that was given to him down in Egypt for his wife had done. He remembered that little trip down there. He remembered his little backslidden excursion that he made in the land of Egypt which cost him a great price. Praise the Lord. So he was not going to go this way again. Now if that little bit of wealth from Egypt had contaminated his testimony and expressed an evidence of backsliding what would the wealth of Sodom have done oh you know but Abraham might have said well you know what I'm not going to live there but I will take their goods I will take their wealth I'll go ahead and take it all it would have marred his testimony 
That's exactly right. Well, I'm not going to be quite like Lot. I'll just compromise a little bit and be able to straddle the fence. No, that's not what Abram is going to do. So Abram ignored the king of Sodom, but he accepted what the king of Salem gave him. Now think of it, what man in his right mind would turn down the wealth of Sodom? Only a man in his right mind would turn down the wealth of Sodom. Now remember, each one of us, as I said in my opening comments, each one of us stand or have stand or will stand in this same place where we will be confronted by the world, which is of course is Sodom. Now the word Bera, which was the king of Sodom, the word Bera means gift. The word Sodom means burning. So if you accept the gifts of the king of Sodom, guess what you have? The reward of Sodom. So Bera offered gifts. My wealth. Abraham said, I will not even take a shoelace. You can have your sodomite stuff. I don't want it. You can have your wealth of Sodom. You can have your money. You can have your gold. I am not for sale. That's right. Now he offered him all of the goods. But yet Abraham absolutely would not take it. But then here comes Melchizedek. Isn't it amazing how that God allowed Berah to come first? Now Berah comes and he offers Abraham these things. No doubt exhausted, worn out after doing all of this fighting. Which is the way the devil hits us many times. When we're exhausted and worn out after a prolonged trial or test. You know, and when we're that way we take to make decisions sometimes that are rational and we don't think it through and we make decisions that when, when, look friend, when we're that way we need to be more precautious than we ever have been in our life about decisions, big decisions that we're going to make. It's either when you're anxious or all upset or exhausted that Satan will try to hit you with a decision and you'll make the wrong one many times. So here Abram is coming back after this and no doubt the adrenaline rush has now calmed down in their bodies and they're kind of just in that silent mode you know they're just in oh my they're just relaxing over the battle it's done and here comes Bera out with all the charade of Sodom and remember Gomorrah was also a, a twin city they called them Sodom and Gomorrah and yet here they come uh, they offering him all of this wealth and all this and that and the other all you got to do is take it he said you can have every bit of it I won't even take a shoelace away from you I will not take anything from you. I don't want nothing you've got. I never fought this battle for you, you bunch of sodomites. I fought this battle for my claim. My claim does not include you. Well, praise the Lord. Now, Abraham had to choose between two kings. These two kings offered two different complete ways of life. Plead completely different two ways of life. Bear a king 
of Sodom offered one way and yet here comes Melchizedek king of Salem he offered another one now it would seem as if though that Melchizedek had so little to offer in comparison to what Barah offered unless you understand the spiritual status and symbol of what he's actually offering to Abram now of course Melchizedek does not mean gift and Salem does not mean burning praise the Lord so Abraham rejects Bera and accepts Melchizedek in other words in our modern terms he's saying take the whole world but give me Jesus now, it may look like in the eyes of the world, and it does. We could take the wealth of Sodom, the goods of Sodom, the pleasures of Sodom, and all that they offer, and we'd put it over here in one pile, and then we'd take the way they view what the Lord offers us, and they'd say, y'all are crazy. You're giving up so much fun. You're giving up this and that and the other. But to us, the bread and wine is much more than what they ever have. Because the bread and wine is communion, which is actually, actually we have fought and whipped ourselves out that we are partaking of Christ in his own blood and body. The reveal breaking of the word of God. Now watch this again in Genesis 14 verse 19. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God. Now I want you to notice here that Melchizedek begins to positionally place who Abraham is of. He says, A Blessed be Abram of the Most High God. Notice now Melchizedek is actually identifying Abram as being of El Elyon, which is the Most High God. Abram, you're more than a natural man, but you are of the Most High God. Praise God. Possessor of heaven and earth. Now notice in verse 20. And blessed be El Elyon, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. Notice now, Melchizedek is letting Abraham see or verify to him. It was not you, Abraham, that done it. It was the Most High God. Can you all see if Abraham say the same thing? When we stand there that day, it will not be, oh, I'll tell you one thing. I prayed, I read my Bible I've done this and that and the other no when we get under the order of Melchizedek in our lives here we will understand it ain't what we've done anyhow it's what God in his grace has done for us and through us now you know of course in 1961 the prophet tells us that we are still under the order of Melchizedek the Levitical or the Aaronic priesthood ceased the Urim Thummim changed and he said we are now under the order of Melchizedek and we still have a Urim Thummim and he said which is the Bible now Melchizedek had something to offer that was better so here the bear the king of Sodom walks away and said that guy's a nut can you imagine? I offered him wealth, I offered him women, I offered him money, I offered him to be a country music star. I offered him let him be a rapture. Why, why would I want to be a rapper when I can be in the rapture? Why would I want to be a country music singer? Why would some of you musicians want to play, uh, you give your talent to the devil to play country music or rock and roll or R&B and B&B and whatever more whenever you can play for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Well, naturally to Sodom and those
those who are leaning that direction, they're not going to understand the order of Melchizedek. You see, Abraham is being identified that he is actually of the order of Melchizedek because he can receive with divine value the divine gifts which are offered to him by the divine one who had him in his divine mind and had divine thoughts and went away to prepare a divine city. Are you all divinely with me tonight? What in the world would bread and wine, how could you value that compared to silver and gold and women and popularity and whatever you would want and you would accept Melchizedek, this guy that just appears out of nowhere. Now think of it, here this man walks up with a beard and he has a crown headdress, he has on these long robes, they don't even know where he come from, it's just like he poof, and he appeared. And no doubt he went the same way, just poof, disappeared. So you're going to be identified with this man, you know, that you don't really know where he come from, where he's going. Oh, but we, we do know that. Blessed be the Lord God. Amen. He didn't want anybody to think the world had made him rich. Don't you understand why God strips us of the world? Don't you understand why God strips up of worldlyism? So that we can't think, well, I had this in the world and I've done this in the world. And I just come over into God and I brought it over into God. Nope, that won't work, friends. You got to die. You got to die to your abilities and all that you can do. Oh, no. No, I don't want to be a celebrity. I, I don't want applause from men. I don't want any of that sort of thing. If I'm rich, let Melchizedek make me rich. And Melchizedek is not just a guy handing out gold and silver. He's handing out mercy and kindness and revelation and peace. That's right. Now notice all the spoils of the victory. Abraham now, once Abraham moves into this realm, the spoils of the victory, which was his divine part, Abraham in return gives back now to this one he just met, Melchizedek. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 1. Let's see how Paul describes Melchizedek. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem. Now remember, Paul writes to them in chapter 5 and in chapter 6 of Hebrews, and he told them that he had many things to say about Melchizedek, but he couldn't say it yet because they wasn't ready. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, Priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. Now remember, in the Old Testament economy, the throne and the altar were separate offices. They were never mixed, and a man who tried to do it was smitten by leprosy. But now we have an epitome of the throne. I'm the altar. Glory to God. I'm trying my best to be nice and behave and get this out sensibly, but after this, I don't know. The throne and the altar were now merged together under this new order. Now what's amazing is the order of Melchizedek appeared before the Levitical order. 
Amen. The order of Melchizedek appeared before Aaron was ever born. As a matter of fact, Levi, while he was in the loins of Abraham, paid tithes to Melchizedek. Praise be to God. How can a man that wasn't even born, wasn't even going to be born for several hundred years later, yet he paid tithes in Abraham. When Jesus died, I died with him. When Jesus raised, I got up with it. Praise God. Notice now, Abraham, he said he met him from the slaughter of the kings and he blessed him. Now, notice in verse 2, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. First being by interpretation, king of righteousness. After that, also king of Salem, which is king of peace. Now, let's look at the name Melchizedek. The first part of the name, M-E-L-C-H-I, means my king. The second part of the name, Z-E-D-E-K, means righteous. That is, my king is righteous. Now, you certainly couldn't say that about Bear, a king of Sodom. You might have been saying, my king's a pervert. Because no doubt, being there in Sodom, he probably was, and the majority of the people was. Well, go ahead and preach, Brother Donnie. That's right. But now notice Abraham when he meets him. Can you imagine as he comes up and maybe he was by himself. Maybe he had a host of angels that were dressed in humanity. And they look like human beings. We don't know for sure. But yet he appears to him and he has a different look about him. And maybe as he spoke to Abraham that there was something about the voice that sounded so familiar. He said, I've heard that voice before. I know I've heard that voice before. Well, have I heard that voice? I know, I know that voice. So however the appearance was, and he comes up to him without gold, without silver, without fame, without worldly ado, but he has the communion. So he has a cup of wine, and he has a piece of bread. Now this is thousands of years before the communion was ever instituted by our Lord in the upper room. Blessed be the Lord God. But whether or not you understand it, the same one that served Abraham served Peter. Blessed be the Lord. That same one will serve you communion at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Hallelujah, that same Melchizedek. So for the sake of drama, Bera turns and walks away, shaking his head with a, a confused look at his face. A, a look that just, I've never met a man like that before. How weird. I mean, that guy's strange. And as he goes by, brushes by this other man. Hello, hello. And here he comes carrying a communion tray. <laughs> Praise God. Walking slowly and Abram seen him. So he comes up and says, my name is Melchizedek. 
and I know yours. You're Simon, the son of Jonas. Glory be to God. He said, blessed be El Elyon. Blessed be Abram of El Elyon. Blessed be El Elyon, which has given you these victories. Him standing there with the bread and the wine, he's saying, Will you take of me? I will. I don't know. Paul, where did this man come from? Verse 3. Without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. Notice Brother Branham and Melchizedek, the great prince and king. Now when Melchizedek, the king of Salem, the priest of the Most High, the king of peace, which was none other than the forepart of the Lord Jesus Christ. The forepart. Watch again in Blushing Prophet. And God represented himself once in the fullness of, Beforehand, in the book of Genesis, in the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek was the representation of the attribute of the fullness of God. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Who had no father, no mother, no beginning of days or ending, oh my... Of years or ending of life, he was a priest, the king of Salem. A priest of God of the Most High God, who was without beginning or ending. He was none other than the prefigure of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice now, he doesn't say the prefigure of Jesus. But Lord Jesus Christ, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Praise God. Because he was the king of Salem, which is the king of peace, which is the king of Jerusalem. Salem, S-A-L-E-M. And he was in prefigure. Even the patriarch Abraham paid tithes to him. He was a prefigure of the coming of the Lord Jesus. Praise God. This same Jesus hath God made both Father and Holy Ghost, Lord and Christ. Lord could not die. Christ could not die. But Jesus, the man in the middle. Lord have mercy. Woo! Boy, that rolled right out of the ovens of heaven, didn't it? My goodness. Praise be to God. Thank you, Lord. I love it when he does that. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. Notice in the Hebrews, the prophet said he wasn't born then. He was just created. Now, here we're going back to Melchizedek. 
Whenever Abraham met him, Abraham no doubt did not see this as being a fresh creation from the hand of the Almighty. He maybe wondered about the manifestation, what the fullness of it was. and Did he ever fully understand it or not? But yet this is what the prophet gives us an insight of what actually happened. He was just created a body that he dwelt in. Melchizedek was the king of Salem, which is the king of Jerusalem, which is the king of peace, which had neither father nor mother, beginning of days or ending of life. Jesus had both father and mother. The Lord Jesus Christ didn't have both father and mother. But Jesus did. The middleman. The man. Jesus had both father and mother. And beginning of days and ending of life. But he was made after the order of Melchizedek, which had no beginning of days or ending of life. Melchizedek was God himself. Melchizedek was Jehovah God. Praise be to God. Melchizedek was Jehovah God. So Abram meets Jehovah God in a theophanic appearance after the order of Melchizedek. Notice again, he says, who was it? He never was born. He never will die. Who is it? It was God. Sure it was. In the foreshadow of the Lord Jesus. Certainly was. But he had to come through a woman. Listen to this story. Oh, how beautiful. He had to come through a woman and he had to come the way you come. In order to bring you back to him. Don't you understand that the theophanic appearance in the order of Melchizedek would never redeem you. He could give you communion, bread and wine, but in order to fully redeem you, he had to come the same way you come, which was my woman. Hallelujah, Jesus had to be made of a woman under the law. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. Brother Donnie, how can you preach these things? How can you talk about how great he is? And and about the millennium, do you understand what I'm going through? Well, maybe not exactly. But I know this, if I keep on preaching about how sad we are, how much trouble we got, how much difficulty we got, how much sorrow we're going through, the deeper it'll get, the darker it'll get. But I'm preaching about something tonight that is eternal. Whatever troubles you've got tonight are not eternal. Whatever sickness you've got tonight is not eternal. Whatever you're going through is not eternal, but this is eternal. Amen. He had to come through a woman in the order, in the order. You come through a woman in order to make you after the order of Melchizedek. He had to be made in the order of a human in order to change your order. (laughs) He had to come the way you come in order to bring you back to him. Notice again, he says in Hebrews chapter 7. Now, when Melchizedek was on the earth, 
He was nothing in the world but the Jehovah God made manifest by creation. He was here like a theophany. So here the Jehovah God created himself a human body and created a little bit of wine and a little bit of bread. No doubt him and Melchizedek drunk from the, him and Abram drunk from the same cup. Praise God. Amen. But God had created this body the same way he did later in the book of Genesis whenever he created a body for him and two more angels. But it was a theophanic appearance of God not made of a woman. So therefore that body could not suffer for you. For this Melchizedek was not Jesus. He was God. And what made Jesus and God different? Jesus was the tabernacle that God dwelt in. Friends, it ain't complicated. It ain't hard. Keep in your mind now what I keep saying to you over and over again. God is not a man. God is a spirit. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Jesus was the tabernacle that God dwelt in. See now Melchizedek. Jesus had both father and mother. This man never had a father or a mother. Jesus had a beginning of life and he had an end of life. This man had no father, no mother, no beginning of days or end of life. It was the self-same person. Melchizedek and Jesus was one. But Jesus was the earthly body born in fashion after sin. Now remember, he never sinned. and never had no faults in him at all. God's own body, his own son, born in fashion after sin to take the sting out of death, to pay the ransom and to receive sons and daughters unto himself. You get it. I said you get it. That's the reason he had a beginning. And he had an ending. The angel never told Joseph and Mary, thou shalt call his name the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, thou shalt call his name Jesus. But this same Jesus hath God made both Lord and Christ. Show me the four gospels where his name is ever referred to as Lord Jesus Christ. It wasn't. When was it? The book of Acts. Notice St. John 14, 10, Jesus said, Believest thou that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works sake. So what was Jesus? The human body of God. Jesus was the first permanent human body that God ever had. All the rest of them were temporary. He would get in them and get out of them. Get in them and get out of them. But Jesus, he said, hey, once I get in this, I ain't never getting out. This is my body. Amen. This is my part of the earth. And from this part of the earth, I will redeem the rest of it. Why? Melchizedek said so. 
2 Corinthians 5, 19, to wit, God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. You understand that's exactly what we're talking about here tonight. Now, can we look at the Godhead a little bit again? You say, what in the world's Melchizedek got to do the Godhead? Absolutely everything. I love the scripture in Romans 1.20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made. Everybody got that? Really? Good. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things which are made. In other words, it's that which is invisible which becomes atom, molecules, light meters, and it strikes something that's tangible and then it's made clear. Now notice this, that are made even his eternal power and Godhead. I guess you all already know it, but the Godhead... Is one of my most favorite subjects. Brother Donnie, when are you ever going to stop preaching about the Godhead? Absolutely never. I hope my last sermon before the rapture is about the Godhead. Because one of these days you're going to realize it ain't just about an old man and a little boy and another, but it's about a whole lot more than that. Now, let us go for just a little bit longer if I can have a little bit more time. The prophet said, let's just picture now as a little drama so you can get it let's see coming out of space where there's nothing let's make it a little white light like a mystic light like a halo that was the logos that went out of God in the beginning that was the son of God that came out of the bosom of the Father, that which was in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Now notice he says, in the beginning was God. Then out of God came the Logos, a part of God that went out of God. So what was it? It was God giving birth to a son. So here is the invisible, immortal, only wise, eternal. And out of him comes an attribute from his very heart. He proceeded forth from the very heart, the very bosom of God. And what was it? A little white light flickering around the Father's door. In there, now see, this is just like a child playing before the door. It was the Son of God, the Logos. And I can see him out there as he spake and said, let there be light. And there was nothing, but there was something happened and an atom turned there and began to whirl around this way. The sun began to come into existence because he said it, let there be, there's the authority. For by him were all things created that were created in heaven and in earth. For by him all things are made. He is the word. Now notice again, he says, let's close our eyes as it was and take a trip a hundred million years before there was ever a star in the sky. 
There was God. God was there then. Now look in the beginning. There I see that great space yonder when the Logos went out of God, which was the Christ. Now remember what went out of God was not Jesus. It was to become Jesus. What went out of God was not Jim, Jimmy, Donnie, Terry, Alice, Carol. It was to become that. <laughs> oh, glory. The Logos that went out of God, which was the Christ, the anointing that went out. Now, we're standing on a banister watching the creation come into existence and see whether he was in his son now. And there he came out. There was nothing. And here come the Logos that looked like a little halo, halo hanging yonder. No man has seen God at any time, eye to eye. And there's the Logos. Looks like a supernatural being, and it's like a halo. That's the Son of God, not eternal sonship. The words don't go good together. That's Catholic doctrine, eternal. How could it be a sonship and be eternal? If he's a son, he had to have a beginning of time. Eternal's forever, see? So eternal sonship, there's no such a word to make that sensible. But it was the Logos that went out of God. Don't get in your mind now, an old man and a little boy. But it was the Logos that went out of God and there he was playing out there in space. You imagine that. Here's the Logos. He's just playing out in space like a little light meter, just bouncing around, playing around the Father's door. Lord God, I can see him. You say, I don't take that account. Well, that's entirely up to you. I do. I can see him draw the whole picture in his mind of the kingdom and what it might be. Notice again, out of the existence of the Father went the Logos, which was the Son, which was the Theophany. Now remember, Jesus was not the Theophany. But he would hear from it later. <laughs> you're not your theophany either. But if you recognize the word of God was eagle food and you left the other thing, you have had communication with it. <laughs> you didn't know you knew how to talk theophany, did you? Now notice how God, what's he doing? He's, he's creating himself towards flesh. Creating himself towards flesh. He's not there yet. So he's a great eternal. Then out of there comes his halo, which then merges itself. What's now? Out of the existence of the Father went the Logos, which was the Son, which was the Theophany. Which was the body of the great Jehovah God went forth in a celestial body. That's the Logos. The Word spoke out of them great fountains that went forth. Now he's likening the eternal back there to the seven streams of light and the great measures of love and mercy, the great fountains there before the eternity. And now he's showing how it comes to sense. And there was the theophany which was God made into word. So the eternal 
stepped into his first phase of condescension expression. Oh, hallelujah. God was made word in a theophany. Now, theophany could be right here tonight. And you couldn't see it. And I have a few more minutes. Notice question answers the son, not eternal sonship, but the son that was with the father in the beginning was the Logos that went out of God. And it was the theophany of God that went out. The human form that didn't have eyes like you see. A better eye. It didn't have ears like you hear, but a far better hearing. It was a theophany that all this rainbow condescended into a theophany. Now this was the Logos. This was the Christ. But not yet Jesus. (laughs) You see, this is Melchizedek. He was the Word before He was flesh. Glory be to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. All this rainbow, now he's talking about the seven colors and how they come down through the rainbow. It all this rainbow condescended into a theophany. Moses saw it when it passed by through the rock like that. He saw the back parts and it looked like a man. So listen to me carefully. So Moses said, I want to see your glory. I want to see your face. God said, no man can see my face. But I'll set you on the cleft of the rock and I'll put my hand over that cleft and I'll pass by him. When I get past, I'll move my hand and you can see my back parts. So Moses gets in the clutch of the rock and here comes God, the great sounding of the glory of God. And you remember that in Exodus 33, whenever the Spirit of God came down in all that glory. So he comes to him, Moses standing there shaking, quivering, no doubt afraid. And he sees a shadow, a hand coming over just to kind of hold over the opening. Then he sees this image walking by. Maybe the father parting the fingers were enough of the eminence of the glory of God, the doxa, which is glory of God, would shine through. Moses standing there, his eyes, putting his hand over his eyes. Oh God, oh God, Jehovah, oh God. And as he gets by, then the father reaches back and pulls his hand all the way across. And what he does, here Moses looks and he sees and it looks like the back of a man. It was Jehovah in the form of Christos. Glory to God. It was the father. Revealed in the form of sonship. So if God gave birth to the Logos, and when the Logos come into the expression of God, and that son of God was a theophany. <laughs> God. Don't you understand you? Don't you understand you? Jesus is not the only one with a theophany. You've got one too. Hebrews again. Now when these great lights went out, a 
great rays of spirit, love, peace. That's all there was. There wasn't no suffering. There wasn't no hate, no malice. It couldn't come from this fountain. That was Jehovah. That was Jehovah God. Now, as the theologians call it, a theophany went out from that. So a theophany comes out of this stream, this rainbow, these fountains of purity and love, and all of a sudden, out of these streams of glistening colors, walks a man. Well, it look like a man anyway. Praise God. You don't remember it. Nor do I. But when he come out, we come out with him. If you are the word, my friends, and in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. Can I go ahead and quote the rest of it? And the word was God. That's why I tell you tonight, I'm not trying to belittle your problems and your troubles, but remember, everything you're going through is small compared to who you are. Everything you're suffering, everything you're going through this life is so small compared to who you are and where you come from and where you're going back to. A theophany went from that that was called in the scriptural the Logos. The Logos that went out of God. It's hard to explain. <laughs> Anybody say amen to that? How many of y'all been listening to Melchizedek this week and saying, Oh Lord Jesus, I need help. Oh God. <laughs> But it was a part of God. The Logos and this great fountain. This great fountain of spirit which had no beginning or end. This great spirit began to form in the creation. Now remember it was the eternal. Before it was been the word. What was it? Into eternity. And the mind of God. But when the spirit word began to form into creation. Lord God. The Logos that went out from it was the Son of God. It was the only visible form the Spirit had. And it was a theophany. Which means a body, and the body was like a man. Moses saw it, and he passed through the rock, by the rock, and he looked at it and said, it looked like the hind part of a man. It's the same type of body that we receive when we die here. For we know if this earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have the building of God and house not made with hands eternally in the heavens. That was the theophany which was the Son of God. Friends, this is you. This That was a theophany, which was the Son of God. That Son, that Logos, became flesh because we were just put in flesh. And the theophany, the Logos, became flesh here among us. And it was nothing else but the dwelling place for the entire fountain dwelt in Him. Oh, do you see it? There He is. There was the one 
That was the one. Praise be to God. Let's read part of the next one. Notice now his attribute. Then the attribute was first God. The thought. The attribute itself. All in one. Without being expressed. Then when he expressed. Secondarily. He became then the Word. So now we move to Genesis 1. Glory be to God. And then the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. St. John, the first chapter and the first verse, notice. In the beginning, but before the eternal, in the beginning was the Word. When time began, it was Word. But before it was word, it was attribute, assault. Then it was expressed. In the beginning was the expression, the word. Now we're getting where Melchizedek is. Understand. Praise God. This is your husband. Would it be fitting for a man like this to marry a flawed, imperfect, low down, rotten, good for nothing wife? If he would tell us as men, when we're looking for a wife, to marry of our own kind, then will not he do likewise? So if he was the word, reckon what kind of wife he'll marry? 1965, he tells us that Logos came out of God, which was the Son of God. And he said, that Holy Ghost has been on the earth, the Christos, the Christ, the anointed one. And he said, that same Logos has a bride. That same Logos. So would you pick up a piece of trash, a piece of garbage refuse, and marry it to the Logos? Logos. Could only marry Logos. Word can only marry Word. (laughs) Praise God, children. But you see, our minds are so limited by time and space and our faults and our failures and our shortcomings. We have to take his word for this stuff, don't we? I do myself. I believe many of you do. I take his word for this. Oh, do you understand it, our brother Danny? Of course I don't. I sure like what I do understand. But I've never yet seen the real me, nor the real you. Nor have you ever seen the real you. 
But there was a part of you, right here tonight, those of you that's got the Holy Ghost, if you're the elect of God, there was a part of you right now in your body, your mortal body, a part of you that was back there in the eternal, Brother Jerry. And when that Logos went out of God, you don't remember it? Of course not. It was not your mortal being. It was the attribute of you. The attribute of you went out of the eternal. Can't you see why it's totally impossible for the elect to be lost? You told me eternal security. This ain't the Baptist version. This is the Melchizedek version. <laughs> Look, you are now married to Melchizedek. You're fixing to be raptured by Melchizedek. Melchizedek himself will set us at the table. And Melchizedek will come out and serve his victorious children communion again. He told his apostles, I'll drink no more of the fruit of the vine or eat of this bread until I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. In the millennium, we will be spending our honeymoon with Melchizedek. Mr. and Mrs. Melchizedek. Oh, God. Oh, Jesus. Brother Bram says, now we're getting where Melchizedek is. That's this mysterious person. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and then the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. His first being was spirit, God, supernatural, all right, the great eternal. Second, he began to form himself towards flesh. In a theophany, it's called the Word. Now what's amazing is when you listen to this, and those of you who heard it this week, you've heard him when he goes to talking about the word and the expression of the word and theophany, that he goes into a story that would seem so strange and so peculiar of a woman driving down the highway in Arizona. And all of a sudden she hits a man with an overcoat on. They all been listening, haven't you? And he goes flying over the top of the car and she stops and comes back. Two, three car loads of people saw it, heard the thug. They looked for the man and can't find him anywhere. Remember the story. They call out the police and they look and search. They can't find nothing. There was witnesses and two or three car loads of them said they saw the man and they heard it. But they couldn't find none nowhere. Yet he said five years before that time, an old man was hit and killed with an overcoat on. So it goes to show, he said, whether you're sinner or saint, when you leave this world, you're not dead. So if people like that are not dead, what about people like this? Praise God. Amen. 
Praise God. Lord Jesus. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you so much. Lord, who, who, who among us would have ever thought a few years ago in our darkness when we was out there in the world trying to satisfy a longing, a call within us, whenever we were sitting in some church somewhere, some system, we would have never thought we would have been setting under the auspices of the revealed word of the hour and hearing such things as the message of the hour brings us. Lord, it is our food. And it will be through this food and the quickening power that one day will change our atoms, our bones, our molecules. For we are becoming the word as we feed upon the word and we're conformed to the word image and the amorphe of God is taking on flesh. One day, Lord God, these bodies won't be able to take it no more. Praise God. And all of a sudden, we'll begin to see our loved ones appear. Hallelujah. Think of it. Missing people. They can't find you no more. And you're getting together with the rest of the group. And you come up missing on the earth. When you look there, there's Brother Dark. There's this brother. There's that brother. Maybe you'll be eating breakfast. You reach down to cut your bacon or your sausage. You got your fork in your hand, your, your knife. You look down at your plate and grab you a bite of biscuit. You raise your head up and sitting across the table is your 18-year-old daddy. You know it won't be long. You're going to be changed. Praise be to God. Brother Donald, that'll scare me to death. No, it won't. No, it won't. You've heard the preaching of Melchizedek. You're getting ready for these appearances. Praise God. Oh, children, don't let nothing hinder you. Look, everywhere we look, there's trouble, there's difficulty. Don't you understand if Satan cannot stop the ministers from bringing this word? He'll try to make your life so troubled that the impact of this word is minimized by what you're going through. And when you come to church, you struggle and struggle because you got this on your mind and you're worried about this and fretting about that. Don't you understand why he's doing that to you? He don't want this word to affect you. But you make up your mind. You devil, you're a liar. God is anointing his servants and speaking words. It's going to change our bodies. I'm going to receive from the word of God. Yes, my troubles are real. My difficulties are real. But my God is greater. My God is more real than all my troubles put together. You believe it, saints. Praise God. Can we raise our hands tonight in the presence of Melchizedek? Praise God. Jesus had a father. Jesus had a mother. But Melchizedek had neither mother nor father. 
But it was the same man all the time. And that's why Mary wasn't his mother. Well, you say, make up your mind. My mind is made up. Mary was the mother of Jesus' body. Mary was not the mother of the Lord Christ. Amen. Your mama was the mother of your body and your daddy might have been the father as far as physically speaking. But they are not the father of that gene attribute on the inside or mother. That can only come from the eternal himself. It is him who has called you. It is him who has raised you out of the darkness of Laodicea. When Satan thought he had you and you were so lost, you were irretrievable. You could not even be found. You were so lost that he thought he had you forever. But it was him that cried to you. It was him who broke the darkness. It was him who broke the seal around your life. Praise be to God. As the scripture tells us, the Lord having this seal that the Lord knoweth them that are his. And there is nothing that will ever keep one of those seed children away from the expression of the Father. Praise God. Oh, let's just worship him together. Sing something for us, brothers. Hey, maybe sing the song we're singing when we come out. Oh, falling in love with Jesus. And Brother Joel, maybe you can sing that song. I love that man in the middle. Let's sing this falling in love with Jesus. Oh, praise God. It ought to make us love him so much tonight, children. Oh, you ought to love that something that's on the inside of you. It's greater than you, bigger than you, bigger than your problems. It's that attribute. It is priceless. It is a priceless gift from God. Not Bera, king of Sodom, but Melchizedek, king of Salem. Praise God. King God, King Jesus, King Theophany. So if he is the king Theophany, there must be other folks with Theophanies. He has a Theophanic kingdom praise be to God oh blessed be the Lord God let's worship him a little oh but it's Saturday night let's take a little time can we oh praise God praise God oh father thank you Lord oh my God Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Falling in love. Thank you, my Lord. With Jesus. With Jesus. Blessing I've ever, ever done. Ever done. Oh, oh. Falling in love. Falling in love. My sweet Jesus. Worship him now, praise God. In his arms, in his arms, I feel, I feel protected, protected Lord. In, in his, his arms, arms, 
Jerry tonight, many of you know Brother Jerry had a pretty major heart attack, done damage in the, a very serious part of his heart. Doctors say he's got about 35% function maybe. They're not sure if he'll recover. That's their report. Amen. Well, we have another report, don't yes, we? Amen. Brother Jerry's wearing a, a defibrillator vest uh, around the front and back. and You can see this pack on him. And I, I wanted him to come to church. He's going to have to wear it about 90 days. In case you hear it, it might go off. It can be a false alarm or it can be um, a real, real thing that's going off. So just don't be alarmed. Uh, but we're just believing God for our brother. You believe Melchizedek is in this building tonight? Hallelujah. Lord Jesus. Father, your word says you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You're the first one who made a human heart. When you formed Adam that day and you made all the ventricles and all the shapes and the contours and the body of the blood veins and the vessels and all that was there. And then you put this strange, peculiar looking thing in his chest beneath his ribcage. There he was like a tree when you finished him with his toes and the ground like roots. He stood there with no life. All of a sudden you breathed the breath of life into Adam's body. Hallelujah. Whenever you did, Lord, <gasps> he started breathing, his heart started pumping. Since that day, billions of humans have lived upon the earth. Lord, every one of them come forth with a beating heart in their chest. You see the damage, Lord, that happened to our brother's body. But you're still the maker of hearts. And you're the healer of hearts, Lord God. We ask you tonight, Father, in the name of Jesus. You spared, Brother Jerry. Lord, looking at it medically, they said he shouldn't even be alive because of what he went through, suffering a heart attack for almost about 24 hours. Lord God, we ask in Jesus' name. Oh, great Melchizedek, come by our way tonight, Father. In the name of Jesus, Lord God, I pray you would touch our brother. Lord, heal this heart muscle. Father God, we look to you tonight. Lord, it's written in your word. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Father God, the minister stand here representing you. 
Lord God, we give you our hands, our mouths, our face, and we join our faith with them. Touch our brother, Lord. Heal him, Lord God. Restore him, I pray. Give his strength back to him, Father, we ask. Hallelujah, hallelujah. He turned down the king of Sodom. He turned down the king of Gomorrah. He turned down Kedileomer. But we take the king of Salem. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We know there's healing in the communion. And therefore, Lord, we partake of your body. Heal our brother, Lord. Make him well, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Middleman. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We worship you, Lord Jesus. We magnify you now. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord God. One good man. There were two seas. Then Barabbas was doomed for the tree. But Jesus took the middle one. And Barabbas went free.
Not from pain, but a broken heart That middle man died Sing it to him tonight same thing out of it <laughs> I'll answer for you I don't think you did I'm grateful for God chose us He destinated us but he's also put gifts among us pull that out we, we have the luxury of push and play seven days a week we can push play anytime we want to but God's been good to us and he's gave us a gift that can pull that out it's so encouraging we need to we need to always pray for our pastor you know I'll shut up just here in just a second, but something very kind of tragic was going on. I talked to Brother Donnie about it, and he knew about the situation, and then there's another situation. And it was a situation that eat a hole in me for days, just knowing what somebody else was going through. And I think about Brother Donnie bears that for all the things we don't know about, situations that we do know about. And then he still puts the time in and, and uses a gift to bring that. We need to be praying for our pastor every day. So I appreciate him. I appreciate this church. I appreciate you people. Let's just sing this as we go. Remember the service in the morning. Be praying for your pastor. Let's sing that. I love that man in the middle. Let's sing the chorus as you can. 